crocodile man, a witch woman, a guy yeah. that can set himself on fire? Right. Are you blind? <laughs> and she's like, I have nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, people are in line for a popcorn. Hey, third person in line. What kind of popcorn do you want? Yeah. I'm right. gonna click! I'm All right, putting right. down my resignation! Bro, and you're a better toilet <laughs> fixer than we ever know. <laughs> Welcome to the JR Talk Show. I am one of your hosts, Robert Burry, joined as always by the mustachioed madman, Rowan Spears Floyd. Yo, yo. And the mysterious Mr. Lee. Hey. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, couple things to get out of the way first. Um, as always, we're on a bunch of different services iTunes, TuneIn, SoundCloud, <laughs> YouTube, Facebook. Um, just search <laughs> JRR Talk Show. Um, and you'll be able to find us. Um, you can also find all of our content on hammerbarrel.com. <laughs> God damn it, John. <laughs> I almost got you. <laughs> All right, so we're going to jump into the news. News, 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 news. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Um, so first thing to talk about, George Miller, director of Mad Max Fury Road, is suing Warner Brothers over a $7 million bonus that was written into his contract um, that if he spent less than $157 million total, he would get a basically a $7 million bonus. The movie went over that mark but he basically is kind of saying hey it's not my fault it went over that but they're basically like well that was the deal so he's suing it so what do you guys think about that wait so so how did it go over budget the 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 company's um choices for production okay put some delays in production that were out of his control and then so it put them over budget and so they're saying that he went over budget well, people, the jury, I believe it's cut and clear. <laughs> Give yeah. the man his money. Although it's it's funny to me because like I, when I read that, I was just like, man, it's just like rich people arguing about being richer. Right. <laughs> and so I was just like, do you really need $70 million? Uh, no, oh, $7 million. Uh, $7 million. Okay, yeah. that's, that's more reasonable. But still, <laughs> $7 is a lot of money. I don't really know how much he got paid, but uh, <laughs> like right. $7 million is a lot of money. A, it is a lot of money. And... So it's sort of one of those things where it's just like, I mean, I guess it's just so weird. I don't. I think it's it's not as big as it should be. It's definitely one of those things where it's like, no, yeah, it's not my fault, guys. Let's be real about this. Like, it, like it's like yeah, it's it's not his fault that it went over budget. So just give the man his seven million dollars because it was a box office smash. Just give it to him. Right. It's a graveyard smash. I, I'd be curious if uh, Warner Brothers, if this will burn his bridge with Warner Brothers. Because um, he says that he wants to do more, you yeah. know, especially like that's been off and on whether we're going to get more Mad Max. But like he just said, like Mad Max, the Wasteland is the next one that he wants to do. So it's like, but doesn't Warner Brothers own the rights to it? It'll be interesting because you think of like you would never assume that Peter Jackson would have done another mo- movie with New <coughs> Line, but right, he yeah. did. <laughs> so, you know, but money, money makes money. money. Yeah, money <laughs> is money. So it's just interesting. I when I originally saw this article, I was like, oh, it must be kind of a similar situation to the Peter Jackson thing, and it was like, oh no, he just it went over budget, and he was supposed to get more if it didn't, and now he's like, but it wasn't my fault. And it's like, yeah, I get it, but you know, shit happens. Like yeah. life sucks, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, moving on to the next story. Oh, I just closed it. <laughs> well, uh, it looks like Lord and Miller, the two uh, duo directors, uh, were commenting on why they left Han Solo, slash why they were kicked off Han yeah. Solo. 
which is just silly. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, yeah, it was just, it was one of those like obvious, you know, um, it's like they're, one of their quotes. Sometimes people break up and it's really sad and it's really disappointing, but it happens. And we've learned a lot from the collaborations and we're going to make, and it's going to learn a lot from our collaborators and we're better filmmakers for it. So it's like, yeah, that's kind of like what I feel like everyone assumed. I don't think based on how it happened, anyone assumed it was really negative and you know they were like put like forced out obviously they were right you know it seemed like it was a mutual disagreement that they were like probably can't get over this so let's just move on yeah it's interesting because like just it's supposedly like they were pretty far into production weren't they so it's just so weird that like it took so long for the you know it's I feel like that would have occurred a little bit more in pre-production when you're like developing in the development phase and the ideation to like how you're going to make this movie and what it's going to be like. And so it's weird to see how who wasn't paying attention at the in the pre-production where the producer's not listening and just like when like, yeah, 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 yeah. Just make it. And then like, wait, wait, what, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, where did that disconnect happen? Because there's so much communication in that process to be almost done with filming to be like uh yeah they weren't jiving with our vision yeah well and according to the IGN article that we got this from filming was reportedly around three quarters complete when lord and miller were dismissed right so like well it's like it's like crazy because you know they were kicked off because they were making something probably really lighthearted or you know it's just something like because they're not known for doing an action film mm. they're not known for no. doing like a serious drama yeah, they made the lego movie. they made the lego movie they made cloudy with a chance <laughs> of meatballs they made the 21 22 jump street movies like right these God, guys, think these of guys a 21 jump street-esque <laughs> movie with han solo and lando yeah that'd be great that'd be awesome so fun it'd be great but like i mean disney start like you know like they they had to have known that going yeah. in right right yeah like what of their movies would make them think that they would make something completely different right and like like did they get kicked off they got kicked off after rogue one came out right yeah mid-june yeah. mid-june like so like like it was did, was it something was it a reaction thing to how rogue one was you know like i feel like that'd be way too received late by, I think, but like it's just it's one of those things where like you know a lot of people complain that rogue one was probably too dark for some people mm-hmm. and then like they're like well now we gotta figure out tone <laughs> stuff because what if we made a movie that's too light <laughs> and then people complain about that so they just try to make something more even, just make it more basic Star Wars, right? Drama, fantasy, action, whatever. It's like that's why I'm worried that might is the change here with Ron Howard. Yeah, if you know, if we look at Ron Howard's track record. That's pretty true. Like, right? His is very like bravado action, where it's like the action is sort of gritty, but the actual st- like the stakes are high. The action is gritty, but the the tone is sort of fun. Yeah, he has he has that he has that Steven Spielberg esque like magic like feel like like right. horror around his films but like it's like it's one of those things where it's like it sucks it sucks that we got we lost uh two great directors yeah in our opportunity to see something that they made. want it i you know it always it always sucks because you always worry about just i mean we're going to talk about justice league later but <laughs> like the idea of having two different directors helm something where it's never going to be a complete thing or even when we were talking last week about like ant-man with um having right. Uh, Edgar Wright leave. Right. Yeah, I, I don't even think he left before production. He was, yeah, he was in pre-production. Yeah. So I mean, but you could still see that obviously, like the script and what the ideas were were still very much there. So it's always like, you know, it's worrisome in that regard because you just 
you know, even them leaving, even if it was maybe in Disney's mind, the right decision, is it going to hurt the movie as a whole? Even if it ended up being a product you didn't a hundred percent, it'd be a more complete product than having two people try to like, and especially three quarters away through filming, like you're either going to make the movie cost significantly more or you're not going to be able to fix everything. Right. Yeah. I think, you know, the jury's going to be out. We have to wait to see the film, but it just seems so weird that it was that late in the process that they decided to switch directors. Like, I just feel like where was the communication early on and who was not listening? You know, like on the Disney side, like it has to be on the Disney side. You know, you hire directors because you expect them to do a certain, you trust them to make a vision, but if they're not following your vision, you should have been communicating with them on that early on. Yeah. And especially if they, you know, or keeping track of the pre-production, you know, knowing, you know, seeing the script, seeing, you know, a lot of it shooting, like, I don't understand how they can get that far before realizing the mistake, especially when it seems like Disney, you know, for all its faults has a really, you know, you know, positives and negatives. They know what they want their stuff to be. Right. Like they have clear Mm -hmm. vision because you can see that through the Marvel stuff. Like they have a clear vision of, you know, A to B to C. And so it seems interesting that, you know, they have, you know, they had episode seven, they had Rogue One, and then this is starting to be like a weird one. It's it's surprising that they wouldn't have been able to notice if there was an issue early on. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Um, the next story is about the upcoming live action adaptation of the anime Your Name. Um, the director, Makoto Shinkai, was talking about it. Um, he was quoted as saying, well, I'm looking forward to how it will go. I also think it will wait. That's not, I read the wrong thing. Whoops. Who was, who said, who said that? (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. So it it starts with saying he's not really much interested in how Hollywood, uh, ultimately handles a project. He said, people often compare their creations to their child, but I'm not too, I'm not much interested in how my child would be treated. Oh, <laughs> so it's just a really, I thought that was just a really interesting quote. Cause like, I'm just, it's surprising because you see a lot of like adaptations being like, Oh, like, you know, it sounds like they're not letting him really help that much. Mm-hmm. And so he's just like, I don't even really want to be a part of it. Cause they don't want me to be a part of it. Granted also the, the, the quote that you were starting, I, I saw some mad respect in that part of the quote where he's talking about like, you know, whatever they're going to do, they're going to do it. And yeah. he sort of seemed like he kind of had, yeah, cause he was, it was already out of his hands. Basically. It was out of his hands. And I thought that was a kind of a very positive, like I, I have like mad respect for that because there's so many times that you see, especially with like, you know, you look at some artists whose things get adapted and they just like, before anything even starts, they're already spitting nails. And it's yeah. just like, but what? And it's like, you know, I get like having your child taken away and being changed and whatever. But I think that I really respect the fact that he's like, you know, they're going to make their own thing. Yeah. And it's going to be different than what I am. And he even says, like, I'm interested to see yeah. how they will make it different and what different ways. And he's like talking about learning from that will be interesting for him. And I thought that was, I don't know, super pro. Yeah. I think it's one of those things like if I don't know, like it, it just to me, it doesn't sound like that big of a deal for him because it's like he made an animated film totally it's just being turned into a different style of film right and so it's like 
if I made like a comic book and then said, "Hey, we want to turn yours and your turn your comic book into a children's book," like with just like one page, you know, some one sentence, you know, pages and stuff like that. It's like, okay, like, so what? Like, I don't care. <laughs> like, go like if you want to do that, go ahead. I'm happy with my comic book. You're not making. You're not changing what I made. Yeah. Right. It's interesting from his perspective too, because like a lot of people have been saying, "Oh, he's the next." you know, Miyazaki, Mm -hmm. you know, all this kind of stuff because he's had a really long list now of really quality films and this being his really big breakout one. Um, Just gave me a look. Oh, I did. I I was like staring off away from you. (laughs) Um, He's been, he's been very like, no, 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 no. Like that's not it. Like he doesn't want to be put on that pedestal too. So I think it's also a, I think he's being, in you know some ways as humble as he can about it too mm-hmm. without you know trying to take it over as well like hey they're gonna do what they do yeah. this you know for me is you know i'll be interested to see what they do with something of mine because yeah. i think he's just interested in that regard yeah um i'm pulling up the quote now but uh, one thing that he said that I thought was really interesting was at the bottom of the article, he says, when such a, a work is imbued with Hollywood's filmmaking, we may see new possibilities that we have been completely unaware of. I am looking forward to the live action film with excited anticipation. So I think it's just interesting where he's he's excited to see how someone else will do his thing, but he also has no concern about if it's a failure or not. Right, like yeah, yeah he sees the separation that his will always still stand as good. Even right, if the other one's that it's not a reflection of him, but also it's interesting to see how his story can be told differently. Yeah, yeah. granted, I don't know how I feel about J.J. Abrams helming the project. Yeah. Um, I think we, I think we're looking too big into like his the stereotypes that J.J. Abrams is attached I mean, to. I think he's, I think he's a a good director. I'm just curious, like if he's going to be able to hit the emotional resonance that you guys talked about for that film. It's just such a different style, honestly. Because, like, when you look at, like, you know, J.J. across the board, it's, you know, action-y, like, fast-paced, action-y stuff. And, like, that's not at all what that movie is, you know? So it's just... It'll be interesting to see what they do with it. I'm really... we, Me and John have talked about it a couple times. Like, I'm just worried that they won't be able to get the cultural references that are so ingrained in that movie like to adapt well if they're trying to americanize it because mm-hmm. um, that's such an integral part in really like the myth and the lore of that movie that i i just don't know of anything in our society that would be um the same or like relevant yeah, you did just what translated well yeah so it'll be interesting i you know but like like worst case like I mean, worst case best case scenario like there like, I think of like this quote that I think Dunkey says uh, about Watchmen, like Watchmen isn't a great film like oh like you know well, you know whoever you whoever's talking, it's not a great film but it introduces you to a comic, that's fantastic mm-hmm. yeah because if you if it interests you enough to read the comic then you're in for a world of like. Well, probably pain because that, that's a really a sad comic. comic. Yeah, but it's a good comic, and so like, but like, it just it was a doorway for people to read something that was quality. Right. Do you think Ghost in the Shell did that for people? No. Oh, oh, that's, oh, oh. Well, that's what I'm worried about. Well, that's tough. That's that's tough. Because <laughs> do you th- like that? That's just that's just what I'm worried about. But do you think Death Note did that for people? Mm. I don't think it would. No, because those are completely <laughs> different movies. Those are. 
completely different movies. <laughs> so that that's that's the that's honestly like best case scenario for you. Yeah, I would say that, yeah, it, it, let, it wants it will let people to want to watch the original source right. material. Worst case scenario, it'll turn them completely off to it, which is yeah. I think the worst worst case scenario because that movie is so so good. Yeah, it's cool. That it's, a really it's good movie. like it would be a shame for people to be turned off to it because of something that's a less good version of it. Yeah. Right. Because I love the Netflix Death Note. That's, that's far superior. That's what we're talking about, right? Yeah. Talking Death Note's the, ne- the, the, yeah. Netflix, the Netflix. Death Note is the best, best one. Top notch. <laughs> Top notch. <laughs> a plus. <laughs> five out of five goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Moving into our last set of stories, which is all revolved around DC. Oh, boy. Here we go <laughs> again. <laughs> uh, first one is. Which one do I want to start? I swear, with? this is basically the DC bashing show. It will be. It's, it's just, just weird how it just all often it just comes up. I mean, it's granted, like something new does come up every week. It just, it's just kind of disappointing. That yeah. we always have to talk hey, about I, oh, we we didn't put one article in here, but apparently, according to James Wan, there's gonna be no bubbles in <laughs> Aquaman. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> cool. Thumbs like, up. what are we? And it was funny too because John was like, "We haven't heard anything from Aquaman in like months," and like pulls up this <laughs> article. I was like. Cool. <laughs> like Aquaman. There would be no, no bubbles while people are talking. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Cool. I'm glad you broke the silence for that. <laughs> this is what I've been waiting to know. <laughs> I had to know. Um, so I guess we'll start with the box office of Justice League over the weekend. So Justice League has DCEU's lowest grossing opening. Oh, boy. Um, so according to Box Office Mojo Statistics, Justice League has opened $14 million short of the industry projections, grossing an estimated $96 million in North America um, under an expected, uh, I mean, obviously, whatever, $110 million. Uh, that puts the new team up below Wonder Woman, which earned 103 in its domestic box office opening, and gives Justice League a last place for all current DCEU movie opening weekends. And like I was like I was asking you guys earlier, like where where are all the 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 generic moviegoers, the ones that don't care about who the director is, who cares about who made us made the film, who doesn't care about all the backstory that goes on to these films? Where are they? Where yeah. like how is there just not enough people out there that's like just leaks coming out, you know, like midnight screening or like I'm gonna watch it that weekend, like and just like put the numbers in. Like we're gonna talk about how we feel about the movie in a bit, but like where are they? I think, I, mean, I think it's going to be interesting because I think, if anything, this weekend will be bigger than last weekend for them because it's Thanksgiving it's weekend. Right. So it's a holiday weekend. So I think they have the potential of doing well. It's a super weird week to open on. It's super weird. You know, granted, the week before or two weeks before, Thor opened and did significantly better than this. It's still interesting time because it's right before holiday. So maybe people are planning on going during the Thanksgiving holiday, but it's like... It's another like, why didn't they release this in the summer? Yeah. Well, we know I mean, why. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess why. I guess that's why, but still like, man. I mean, I think to be fair, like it's a good chance that Thor took its thunder. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just like if it's I have to pick between two superhero movies coming out, I could watch a Marvel movie or I could watch a DC movie. It's true. Like it's and I think that it's just like, I think people are catching on. Yeah, <laughs> I think so too. Yeah, it's 
Well, and I think if you look at the kind of the hype of the two movies, hype was building for Justice League up into it coming out. Then you kind of saw the reviews and they were like, it's fine. Whereas like everyone wasn't necessarily excited for Thor Ragnarok as far as the people who don't like watch all the trailers and stuff like that. And then when they heard, oh, it's super fun. It kind of you know tipped the scales for right. it after it came Wait, out. Wait, well, are you are you telling me people weren't excited about the Oscar nominated Thor two like the the follow up movie to that film? Like no one was excited. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. What? No, 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 no. I so, mean, I think that's that's an interesting like story inside of that mm-hmm. as well too. Uh, also, to be fair, in the weeks leading up to Justice League, I saw more bad press against the movie than I saw any press for the movie. Like yeah, there was a or huge, very indifferent. Press. There was a huge backlash in like some of the marketing, especially for like how Wonder Woman and the Amazons were being uh, portrayed in the film, which basically was like everyone who loved Wonder Woman was like, "Well, bye. I'm not gonna watch this movie now." So it's just like you. It felt like a lot of the fan, what fan base it has, didn't get excited because of all the stuff they were seeing for it. And it's like if you piss off your fan base. And and I start I think when it's already small enough. Yeah. I think <laughs> of any of those movies too. I think I think you John are underestimating how much people actually did hear about the bad press about it. I think I, I think it's I just, be because it, 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 just, just, it, it just it has to be more prolific and more it just reaching than we think. And granted granted like it's trying also trying to beat its own budget of 300 million. Totally. Which is which is like knowing that is also just like makes the makes the 287 or yeah the 280 whatever million box office gross yeah seems small even though it's not right yeah exactly yeah when you look at 281 million so it did um 96 or yeah 14 million in north america and then um with international it added another 185.5 million which 51 of that was just from china right so that was pretty huge for them um it only ended up with 281 million which if the reports about its budget are correct that's still 20 million short of its budget which obviously it's going to do more than that it has yeah. more weekends it's yeah. going to do that but for a movie with that much investment to not really just blow up the first weekend because the drop-offs are significant right when you look at any mm-hmm. movie from week one to week two to week three and then you know so on they're going to start going really low so like for that to be successful they need to make a lot more than that for them to consider it a success you don't just want to hit budget yeah you want to be <laughs> significantly over budget i think those numbers are really interesting because it once again points to kind of Zack snyder is you know he is a his his market is china yeah like it almost feels like they like you look at his movies they, they do really well over there he wants people who don't understand his dialogue Right. <laughs> also, or also, you know, the fact that like how he puts together scenes and sequences is just awful. Yeah. Like he's not a good storyteller. Um, <laughs> but he does do visuals really well, yeah. and he does action really well, and I think that that translates to foreign audiences, especially the Chinese audience that really loves CGI action. And I wonder if that's part of DC's plan. I wonder yeah. if that's like. They keep bringing him back to do this stuff because he hits that foreign market. Probably, yeah. I mean, it's a big thing for them to have that, like fifty-one million. Like that did half of what you know the U.S. did as a whole, right? Like, and it's gonna keep doing well over there too. Um, just a side note, um, if 
people want to have a really good kind of breakdown of Zack Snyder as a film writer, filmmaker. Uh, there's a channel on YouTube called Nerd Writer One, um, and he has a breakdown of how Zack Snyder makes scenes for Batman v Superman. I think everyone should definitely go check oh, that out. It's a it's really, an, really cool breakdown. It's a great video. That video is just excellent. Um, but going kind of along the lines that you're talking about, um, there was another ar- another article that came out this week that I thought was really interesting because um, there's a lot of people who are fans of Zack Snyder wanting to see the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League. Mm. Well, after they saw, <laughs> yeah, after they saw the, yeah. the current version of it, yeah. And I thought that was really interesting because, like, what a weird thing to ask for. Like, it's just so strange because when you think about, you know, obviously everything was already done when, like, everything was shot once. Uh, yeah, everything, it was in post-production at the time when Joss Whedon came in. When Zack Snyder stepped out. Yeah. And so it's interesting. And then they obviously shot a bunch of stuff after the fact because in Joss Whedon's mind they were missing parts, so they came back and shot things. Um, but a lot of people are clamoring, and even John, uh, he was showing me this article that he found where it was basically a breakdown of every scene and what was Snyder and what was Whedon. Mm-hmm. Like, scene by scene, shot by shot, like, what was that and what was added and taken away? And just looking at that breakdown and seeing, like, they, like Zack Snyder had The Flash doing nothing. Everything The Flash does in the whole movie was written by Joss Whedon. Yeah. And it's so crazy. Like he had him doing nothing. Like, and it wasn't like they had planned on reshoots at that point. Like, no. <laughs> there was so many like scenes that when we'll talk about it. Like some of me and John's scenes that we thought were the just stupidest scenes in the movie. Straight, straight Snyder. Like, I don't think there was a single scene really that was a Whedon one that we were like, man, that was complete garbage. Mm, yeah, or at least, at least very garbage. rare yeah, like, in comparison to the I'm not like Snyder say, ones. All oh, Whedon's changes look great, but. They're so it's just better. interesting because, I mean, obviously, you know, looking at Whedon and what he's done with, you know, Avengers, Avengers 2 and like Marvel and stuff like that. And just him as a general filmmaker, he likes to have jokes and like people didn't like that, apparently, which I thought was really interesting. I just think that I feel that, you know, one of the issues that stands out to me is that Josh Whedon doesn't seem like he was the good choice for a replacement. I just feel like that the styles between Snyder and Whedon are so different that I get like Snyder being like, you're a comic book guy. Yeah. I can trust you to when do I get this. DC right? being like, you did that good stuff for Marvel. Come over but here. But it just feels like it's like, it's like oil and water, man. It just yeah. doesn't mix. Well, like I, I was, re- I, I read some reports saying that when Joss Whedon was tasked to take over, apparently Warner Bros. asked him, please keep it in the style and tone that you think Zack Snyder would do it. And apparently that's what he supposedly agreed to. But then he fired Junkie XL, Zack Snyder's uh, right. uh, composer. And then like all things like all these reshoots are happening. And go like, well, now I'm just confused. <laughs> but who who lied to who in this in this conversation <laughs> for Justin to take over? And yeah, it's just it's just it's just a button mash of tones just going on throughout the entire film. But, like, to that article about the fans having this petition, I guess one thing that also kind of stood out to me is as you read that article and, like, eventually the petition just sort of, like, turns into, like, a shaming fest of just being like, if you don't get Zack Snyder, you're an idiot. Ah! Well, I, I haven't seen any of 
Zack Snyder's extended cuts. I didn't see the extended cut of Watchmen, although I hear it actually does include all of the shots that Zack Snyder didn't put in that were exactly ripoffs of the pages from the comic, which is yeah. fine. Like, and like, I didn't, I didn't see the, the extended cut of Batman vs Superman because I don't, I, I can't, I can't punish myself for another three hours. <laughs> but like, I, but like, I have friends that say they think the ultimate cut of Batman vs Superman is a far superior film. But it's one of those things. The changes that they describe aren't good enough for me sure. to want to rewatch. Yeah, the it. changes they always describe aren't the issues I had with the movie. Like, but it makes it make more sense. I had no issue with it making sense to me. The movie made sense. It was just dumb. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. One of the quotes in the article is that how could they have told this story of the Justice League in two hours? Like, it must, it should have been a three hour film. And, you know, like, I love long movies. I yeah. really do. But, like, it's one of those things where it's like, man, but does it need to be a three hour film? Like, yeah. or maybe we could cut down on the slow mo action shots. Like. Exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Just taking down those. Well, and it's funny too because that whole two-hour thing isn't Whedon. That's DC. Right. Yeah, that was Warner like, Brothers. That was you know them yeah. controlling it. And so it's just like, I mean, it's funny because they even linked to an article talking about how Zack Snyder comes out and being like, "It's not going to be that long, guys. Like, we're not going to make it this three-hour epic movie." He, li- Zack Snyder said that. Right. Like, so it's oh, like, really? wow. yeah, this was months and months ago. So it's just funny, like, you know, it's. It's funny. I think you know, like I, I shouldn't. I don't like bashing on fans because I think you know, like yeah, that they, they're his fans and they they like his work and that's great. Yeah, I I really appreciate that. I love the fact that they want to see his work. You know, it's really unfortunate that Snyder was unable to see and through the project and the circumstances around him leaving the project are mm-hmm. just like awful. Yeah, that sucks. It really super bad. sucks. Yeah. But, oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. But it's just like. You're not winning anyone over by trying to call everyone idiots, too. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, it feels like the fans are sort of clamoring to make sense of the steaming pile of shit that, that was given to them. They're trying to build excuses for something that they, you know, they weren't happy with. And then right. they're just, they just blaming it on they other just people. They just took a side. They decided yeah. to make something, do something stupid and take a side. Marvel versus DC, Joss versus Zach. And it's like, no, yeah. don't, don't pick sides. DC, yeah. DC, look at what you're doing to your fans, man. Yeah, there's, there's you're a breaking lot more their symptoms. hearts. There's a lot more. You're breaking their hearts. I'm I'm a big DC fanboy. Like I know more yeah. things about DC than I do ever will Marvel. Yeah. And like I wanted this movie to be good, but you know you'll hear what I have to say yeah. about it in a bit. <laughs> um. So I think the next thing we're gonna do because we're gonna go we're gonna me and John are basically gonna give our impressions and slash review of Justice League since Rowan hasn't seen it yet. Um. But since we're gonna kind of go into we're gonna start with non spoilers then go into spoiler territory with that. We're actually going to move things around this week, and we're going to do our movies to try first, so that if you wanted to hear that, you don't have to like skip through a spoiler section of something. So we're going to start with that, um, and then we're going to move into our review slash impressions on Justice League. So does anyone want to start with their movie of the week to try? I can start. All right. Great. Uh, my movie of the week is The Shadow, uh, starring Alec Baldwin and uh, John Lone, uh, and it's a live action adaptation of the pulp su- uh, not superhero pulp hero vigilante known as the shadow uh if you don't know who the shadow is he's basically the original batman um he's a guy that just uh, fights people at night in the city basically same thing as bruce wayne and he uses telekinesis and telepathy to fight villains uh by masking his identity like his whole his whole ability is that he can just hide who he is and like all you can see is a shadow at night and he just he fights people with guns and stuff like that. 
And this film is so underrated to me because it came out in 1994. I think it's 1994. And it's it's weird because it it was beyond its time. This movie was the dark night of the 90s uh, of superhero films. Like this is coming after Michael Keaton's Batman. Um, This is that's after the first Schumacher one, right? This is before the first Schumacher one. Okay. And it's if God, if you just have like an adoration for pulp comics or just like this 1940s action adventure story. Like even if you love Batman, the animated series, you're going to love this movie because it's set in the forties. It's it just straight up goes into this dark story of this guy, this vigilante trying to stop someone that's just like him, someone that can manipulate the minds of others. And it's just so unabashed about how over the top it is because you just have like these beautiful scrawling, like, uh, painted backgrounds of the city and like big lavish sets of him just like in his getup, his like crazy like trench coat bandana mask wearing like costume, and he's just like just laughing like laughing in the faces of villains like ha 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 like I am the shadow, I am the creature of the night that like will haunt you villains for the rest of your nights. Like, and really he theatrical uh, about it, yeah, really theatrical about it, and like people die in this film like. People just straight up die. He will kill people. The bad guy will kill people. And like, it's so weird because totally it didn't make sense when it came out. Oh, yeah. Like, like I don't think the audiences were ready for a, like a darker version of Batman, of Michael Keaton's Batman. But it's so fun. Uh, I watched it again recently because it was on sale. And I, I really wish it was re-released now. Because I think it's I think Alec Baldwin does such a great job being this charismatic hero with that's with a tormented past. And like it just like the visual effects, the action, it's just so much fun, so enduring. Uh I just I just recommend if you just want to watch something really fun, really crazy comic book-esque action film that isn't about superheroes necessarily, watch this. Um Are there other like superheroes in this world, or is it just him? It's it's more or less just him. Um you, if you like the movie like The Rocketeer, this is kind of up your alley. Okay. Um, it came it came like a slew of movies like the of uh, pulp action heroes. Like a Rocketeer came out a couple years before that. Then Shadow. Then unfortunately, The Phantom came out starring Billy Zane after that, which I think killed the franchise of doing pulp action <laughs> <laughs> hero movies. Oh boy. Uh, but yeah, if you if you like like Christopher Nolan's uh, Batman films and just really love, have a really a big appreciation of like. B movie quality Hollywood action. This is for you. It's really fun. Is it very like the world of tomorrow is now? Yes. It's very much that. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) It's like, like think, think of like the sky captain, the world tomorrow world, but no CGI. Okay. It's all like in camera effects, all paintings, all stuff like that. Cool. Well, there's some CG, but yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. That's cool though. Yeah. Really great. Cool. Um, I will go next. Uh, This is a movie I watched this week. Um, it's called A Silent Voice. It's another anime, because that's all I like to recommend. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's uh, directed by... I'm going to butcher this. If you're going to keep offering anime, you got to learn these words, buddy. I, know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Naoko Yamada. Um, it's sure. based on a um, light novel and manga series. Um, it's the story of this uh, boy named Shoya. And it starts off basically the right at the beginning of the movie. He has planned to kill himself because his life just sucks. He basically 
uh, saves up all this money, leaves like a package for his mom, like, you know, quits his job, does all this stuff. And it starts with him just like riding his bike to this bridge and standing over it. And he just like sits there for a second and then he can't do it. And he's like steps down. And now he has to go back to this world that he's cut all ties off from. And it's basically kind of a really interesting redemption story for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and you find out throughout the movie kind of why he got to where he was. And when he was um, a kid in middle school, he bullied this girl who was deaf, who came to basically his class. And him and a bunch of other kids in his class were bullying this girl. But he basically took all of the brunt of the kind of pushback once there was pushback. Basically, the mom of the girl talks to the school and they say, who did this? All of his friends, quote unquote, blame him for it. They all say, oh, I wasn't doing anything. All it. So he basically gets outcast for the rest of his middle school and high school life and into like going out into the world. So he is basically alone. So it's a really interesting story of kind of action reaction. And when I originally saw the trailer, I thought it was a much different because it, it plays off as more of like a romantic movie. Um, so that's kind of what I was expecting going into it. So it's much different than what I thought it was going to be. But it's this really sweet redemption story of this character who had nothing to live for and finding all these reasons to live for something and finding these. Re- and what's really cool is it's he not only finds redemption in, in himself, but also in the other people who he grew up with who left him alone kind of. And there are some situations where it's a good reaction where there were friends that he had that, you know, kind of outcast him who become his friends again. But then there's also ones where it's like friends who outcast him who he doesn't necessarily become friends with again, but they become to a mutual understanding of where they are as people. Yeah. Um, beautiful, beautiful art. The music is really good. Um, it's not dubbed yet, um, so it's subtitled. Um, but the performances by both of them, you can really, even not understanding the language, you can really feel what the people are feeling, which I think is really cool. Um, really interesting story. Um, it's kind of hard to find. They had a very limited theatrical release, but I think they're going to have a bigger one. Um, it's just been a really interesting, this movie and then Your Name both came out this year. And so it's been a really interesting like year for these kind of breakthrough uh anime movies um i would just definitely recommend it if you have a way to find it um it's called a silent voice but it's also um the the shape of voice is another kind of title for it so i think it's just a different translation of it so it's the voice the movie (laughs) yeah yeah kind of a weird thing um it's just really cool it was just definitely different than what i thought it was based on the trailers but it's just a really sweet story and it's a really interesting look at kind of depression in a way and how you know negative you know uh what's kind of the word i'm looking for negative uh i got nothing for you i i you know it's just like if you you know if you you know look at stuff negative and act negative towards other people it can bounce back on you Mm -hmm. in a way that's unexpected um it's just a really interesting look at that so i just would really recommend it i thought it was it was really touching. It was a really good movie. And just like the end, you just learn a lot about these different characters and like their interactions with each other. And they actually bring in a lot of people and it's really cool. I think it's interesting that I'm looking at, I'm just looking at the Wikipedia. It runs 129 minutes. That's a really long movie for an animated film. Yeah. yeah. That's yep. crazy. That's two long. hours. 
and it's paced really well. Like I didn't really feel like it was that long when watching it. Yeah. Um, paced really well. Like one of the like shining points is like his best friend who just like it's very similar to like Kill a Kill where like Mako just decides to be best friends with oh, Ryoko. Yeah. Like he just decides we're best friends. And he's yeah. like, nah, man. He's like, nah, we're best friends. And he just is awesome. Like throughout the whole time. Like, and you really get to, you just get really per- interesting perspectives. Cause you get a perspective from the girl who was bullied. You get her perspective. You also, he starts to become really good friends with her sister mm-hmm. who she has a whole different perspective of him through the bullying of her sister. And then also their mom. Mm-hmm. So, it's just really interesting. Like you see a lot of sides, you know, whereas you only see one side of, you know, what bullying can be. But then this movie really shows you, it even shows you his mom's perspective on everything. So it's, there's a lot of really cool character interactions. So I just really recommend it to people who like, you know, it's just more drama kind of movie. It's just kind of a slice slice of life life kind of thing, which (laughs) is really cool. Like, um, but I really enjoyed it. Good. Nice. Nice. Um, so this week, my uh, my film you should watch is Dragon Slayer from 1981. Um, Dragon Slayer is about a young wizard's apprentice by the name of Galen who has to take up his master's quest to face off against the dragon Vermithrax, who is uh, <laughs> plaguing the local kingdom. The, the king of this kingdom has kind of made a pact with the dragon that they'll sa- sacrifice a maiden like almost every full moon. Yeah. Um, and so it's like classic fantasy this is like 1981 it's right in the middle like kind of the beginning of the like 80s fantasy film time like a year before conan the barbarian came out like and it is i mean it's campy is it's super campy like i mean they're not trying to be campy but for modern sensibilities it's a campy film but the visual effects are done by ilm that did star wars and vermithrax is probably one of the best dragons you will ever see in film yeah i'm looking at i'm looking at a still photo of it and it, the the puppet or the animatronic they're using it looks nuts it's for nuts the it's scenes crazy. in in that dragon's lair are terrifying because they just give the size and scale to the dragon oh, wow. and how it moves and the live fire effects like this thing lives in a lake of fire and it's amazing like I like that there's a photo of the Rancor trying to be fair with that. <laughs> well, it's for the same team. And it's like just visually like what they were able to do with those special effects still holds up today. Like there's a few shots that little look a little wonky, but it's super awesome. And like it has the like, you know, it's classic old fantasy film. Most of it's shot in a rock quarry. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it, but it doesn't shy away from like being like creepy and scary and violent. And the, it just is so fantasy and it does it so well in a way that a lot of modern fantasy just doesn't try to do. We, it just captures that feeling of like, like if you wanted like a film that would be like what you wish your D and D adventure was, this is like what your D and D adventure should be. Oh yeah, the the, the, the film poster looked I thought it was a D and D cover. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, it definitely, it definitely looks like that. It's like, funny. and it's super fun. Um, I think that you know for some audiences it might be you know if you if you're not a fan of Conan the Barbarian or like Last Starfighter or 
you know, even like John Borman's Excalibur or Willow, this might not be your film. But if you love a good like sword, spear, going on an adventure fantasy film, this is you got to watch it. I think there's a few miscasts in the film. I think <laughs> Galen himself could have probably been a better actor. Um, is it based on anything? No, it's just like literally it's just, just a, they're like, original. let's just tell this like a dragon slaying story nice. and call it dragon slayer. And it's great. I think that just like the imagery is just so cool. And, uh, you know, it's a lot of fun. I think probably my love for this film has a lot to do with the fact that I saw it when I was young. Yeah, sure. So I imagine going back, it might not be for everybody, but if modern fantasy films could take a moment and watch this and just be like, oh, yeah, like that's how you tell good fantasy and like elements of like what makes fantasy fun and interesting, it's great. Solid. Looks great. Super solid. Yeah. Yeah, it looks really fun. Um, so we're going to move on to the meat and potatoes this week. And basically, it's just going to be me and John talking. I'll have some questions for you. Um, so me and John, uh, last two two nights ago? Last night? Two nights ago. Two nights ago. Uh, we went and saw Justice League. Oh, boy. Here we it's, go. It's a lot. It's, it's a nice. movie. It's, like, it's just so confounding. It's a very confounding movie. Um, yeah, so... Uh, non-spoiler kind of my opinion of it is it's just like heavy sigh is all i can describe it as just it's everything you would assume it would be with two different directors like the tone bounces back and forth between whedon style snyder style and it's just super inconsistent throughout i don't think they do a good job of establishing why the justice league is together because the way they establish it makes no sense with every other movie they've established because basically you know the whole movie of batman v superman is batman going after superman because he doesn't trust him because he's so much more powerful and now like that's the whole thing this whole fight this whole like war that happens between them it's because he doesn't trust him then all of a sudden because he kills Doomsday. It's all fine now. And Batman's like, Superman was a beacon of hope. He was the greatest of us. And it was like, where did you, when did this flip? When did you become this different person who's trying to now pull this Justice League together? And it just, it just doesn't make any sense. And that's like the through line. Like they use Bruce as like the positive person of the group mm-hmm. to propel the <laughs> film. And it makes no sense. (laughs) And like you add in, you know, you add in like just characters who aren't in the right tone of like who they should be throughout the film too. Like you have all these disjointed openings. It opens with this like cell phone camera footage of a kid taking when he's talking to Superman where it's like, you know, you're, you're so cool. Superman. He's like, yeah, I'm Superman. He's like, I I only find that, part jarring because the prior movie was batman vs superman yeah and that's what's so weird that's what i just like like me and john kept being like did we miss a movie that in between these two yeah, that was, like explains why I, everyone's my, acting my, this my way? theory is that flashpoint happens in the movie franchise and justice league starts after flashpoint <laughs> <laughs> so it's just it's really inconsistent like even the villain like steppenwolf it's not a great villain you don't like you don't understand he's going after these mother boxes which are just like these three cubes that hold power 
because you know that's what villains do and you just go through all these different scenes with all these different superheroes like establishing who they are in just the most either cliched or uninteresting ways possible yeah not 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 very memorable villain or not really memorable memorable plot nothing really happens it's just like things it's like moments that have nothing to do with the story or lack of story like like you have wonder woman like it's in the trailers yeah you have wonder woman saving people in like some sort of a bank or congress building whatever yeah and that's a cool moment has nothing to do with the story no you have uh you know like them talking to Walkman, like hey join us up doesn't he says do no, anything. walks away. That does nothing because you basically just saw the whole scene in the trailer. It's just and like it's like <laughs> it's just my two cents about it. Non spoiler is they had all the right pieces. They just did not put them anywhere near where they were supposed to be. And I don't hate this film. I hate Batman vs Superman because it bastardized these characters and like did something different like did something different the wrong way just went the wrong direction uh for how these characters should be going this one just i was just so confused they were told like years years you see that crested clown gift from the simpson where he's just smoking a cigarette and look after the sign goes what the hell is that you know like that was me throughout the entire film every scene it's like, like every, everyone's a cookie cutter every, yeah. cookie cut out like you have the Flash, the funny guy. He's not supposed to be the... His character isn't the funny guy in the comics or in any yeah. other media unless he's this version of himself. Or, like, he's the funny guy. Like, okay, sure, he'll tell his jokes. I guess that's who you are. You have Aquaman. He's the tough guy. Yeah, he's the tough guy. But are you Aquaman? Like, yeah. like are you interested? Like, it's like, like, the only one that... The only person in this movie that actually is a character is Wonder Woman. And it's because yeah. she basically is the same as you saw in the last... Wonder Woman movie. So I'm just really like, for me, I really don't like this movie. Yeah, you have a big hate for this movie. I just, it's so frustrating because it's just like, I just don't get the, there's no love really out there for it, but there's people being like, but I enjoyed this part of it. I didn't, I can point out and maybe I'll, I'll point him out once we get into the spoiler side. There's only two scenes and two like things in this movie that I liked. Everything else is just like, just a big jumbo of like random scenes. Yeah. Eh, that's something. Yeah. <laughs> like, and so it's just frustrating for me because you had such an opportunity with all this and you just like, you could have even done the same movie, but changed who, like what roles the people inside of it were taking. It would have made way more sense. Having Batman be like the, like through line of hope makes no sense. <laughs> like it, give that to wonder woman, give that to flash, give that to someone else. Like they just chose the wrong decision every time. It's so funny hearing that because it's like, isn't Batman the one who always questions the Justice League as a like organization and is like yes. worried yeah. about? Yeah. That's literally what Justice world? League War is about. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's just hard. It's it's it was also very hard walking into this movie knowing. Yeah, there's a lot of baggage. There's a lot of baggage with this movie. Uh, but yeah, like I like the DC. Like I've softened my feelings have softened over it over the past couple of days. But like it's still as a film, it is grown. as a film, it is bad. As a DC fanboy, definitely there's some moments where I go, like, I'm definitely gonna watch this movie again for this moment just to review this part or that part. And there's definitely a lot of moments where I can really appreciate. But like as a film, it is garbage. It is a hot mess. 
and I, I it's hard for me to recommend it. So before we before we get into the spoilers, um, let's use your guys' own uh, patent review system of goosebumps. I still don't get it. Zero. But Zero hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Zero goosebumps. <laughs> We're gonna do it by categories here. All right. So on for acting, one out of five goosebumps. How'd it go? Like these guys are good Whatever. actors. Yeah. Like they are good actors, but it's just the the, the, the quality of the writing. The editing is what makes them seem bad, except yeah. for Cyborg. I don't think Cyborg we'll get there. Well, and it's such a, so I would say the actors did a good job. I'd give it like a three out of five because I don't think they did anything necessarily bad. I think it's the writing that was bad. I think Ben Affleck, because we've seen Ben Affleck as the Batman I think he is good at in Batman versus Superman, he was probably the shining point of that movie. Mm-hmm. But they've changed who Batman is completely for this movie. So like in regards to like Affleck was doing what he what he had, he did fine. Gal Gadot. Still great as Wonder Woman. Her mm-hmm. presence as her is awesome. Um, I was really questionable of Jason Momoa, but like he's solid. Like he's solid yeah, as you want, like you Aquaman. Want, you want the tough. Guy I, I want it. I'm excited to see more of him as Aquaman. Yeah, funny. You know, Ezra Miller as Flash. Sure, he's not Barry Allen. No, he's more of Wally West. The younger, yeah. the younger, uh, like Flash more plucky, more like happy go lucky Flash. Totally. So it's just like they did a good job but they just weren't the characters they were supposed to be and i don't think that's their fault. So then let's 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 get the uh the elephant out of the room. How many goosebumps for writing? 0 0 out of 5 goosebumps. <laughs> yeah, 0 out of 5. <laughs> it's There's no way. There's no writing. Okay. <laughs> it's so bad. Follow that up by directing. That's 0 that's, out of 5. That's 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 zero that's, out, that's zero so out of five. That's weird cuz it's, it's zero out of five. the product we saw was a bastardization of two different <laughs> it's like 0 out of 5, John. <laughs> I guess <laughs> I guess technically yeah, we're going to say 0 out of 5. All right. zero out of five. Visual effects. How the visual effects go? Ooh. Oh man, that's something we didn't talk about. <laughs> there's 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 <laughs> so many really bad like when we were talking about last week with Thor Ragnarok, there's just as many terrible shots like in Thor Ragnarok in that movie. Oh yeah, like like you know, like the awful green screen of Thor. And There's a whatnot. ton like, of them. Yeah, a lot of that in close-ups. And it's like, it's why crazy. is it happening? In close-ups? And it's so funny because you can tell that they were the reshoot ones because there's a scene where they meet Aquaman pretty early on, mm-hmm. and they have this really cool like they make it kind of like this like Norwegian town that's like on like the coast or something like some like shipping town and it looks super cool and they have all these wide shots of it and then they do these like weird one shots of just Jason Momoa and you're like oh man that's a really bad green screen and it's just like man this is a reshoot and like uh Steppenwolf looks terrible yeah he's not a great looking CGI villain so it's just like (laughs) visual effects too the high quality ones are very much outweighed by the bad ones. So mm. I agree with the two. Fair enough, fair enough. And then uh how was the action? Uh, one. One out of five. Only one good action scene that I wouldn't even consider it to be an action yeah, there scene. There was there was one good there's like one good part in one act. Well, so for me, the t- my two favorite parts. Wow, well, I'm just gonna say one out of five. I'll explain what my favorite parts are. Uh I'm gonna say Two out of five, uh, maybe three. Not terrible. Well, not you, great. Not you, definitely not great. You heard it here, folks. The highest rating of all of our things was three out of five goosebumps, <laughs> and that was for the actors <laughs> who yeah. only got it because they kind of because they did like a the good part. job. <laughs> yeah. They did a good job. All right, so we're gonna that. move on to the spoilers. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, open up this can of worm, guys. How about how about you talk about what you? Want? Yeah. So I'm gonna talk about the two things that I thought were awesome. Like they were the part that actually got me like yeah like this is what i want so the first one is um kind of in one of the later fights uh jason momoa is being thrown around 
by uh, Cyborg and Superman and who else was someone else? Uh, was it's, it's it's like Batman. Batman toss, gets him up with his Batmobile. Cyborg keeps him going. I think Wonder Woman bounces him. Yeah. Up at one point. So I'm it's just like sure. it's just this really cool like dynamic scene with a character who can't fly, but like it's all in the air, and he's basically being thrown across and after the parademons who can fly. So obviously they're up in the air and stuff like that. So you have these really cool scenes of him just being no fear flying around, knowing that, you know, you know, he knows his abilities. He knows he can take a hit kind of thing. Um, just flying around. It's this really dynamic scene. Cause it's like, it's not one shot, but they kind of make it, you know, feel like that in a way. So it's a really cool scene. And I guess uh, going along with Aquaman, the beginning of his fight, there's a point where um, Steppenwolf, goes to Atlantis to steal one of these mother boxes. And they have kind of a cool underwater fight where it's obvious that uh, Aquaman has the advantage yeah, of crazy being underwater. He totally could have taken this Like, he out. has all these crazy moves that he does. Um, Stephen Wolf just basically does an attack that makes it so there's no water in the area for a second. And so that's when he kind of is able to take over and then the parademons come in and just overwhelm them. But there's like some cool stuff they did with Jason Moa and Aquaman action wise, which I think will be cool to see what they do for the Aquaman movie. Mm-hmm. That is, I think they just finished filming. They finished filming a couple months ago. Okay. Yeah. So that'll, that'll be interesting. Uh, the other really cool scene that I liked was there's a point where, so they resurrect Superman in this movie which I thought was so dumb. The way they resurrect him is yeah, still it's, it's, along it's the same bad. side with Doomsday, where they there's like this pool inside of the ship that Zod and everyone came in on that like they like have to throw one of the mother cubes and Flash has to like zap it with lightning at the exact right time. Then like Superman comes out and it's basically a Lazarus pit thing where he's like angry and evil at first. And he just like bursts out. Everyone goes after him. He's trying to like crush Batman's head. He's like holding him by like the face and it's just like, you should have let me die. You should have let me stay or sleep or whatever he says. And there's a moment where it's all of them trying to like, you know, stop him and flash decides, Oh, I'm going to go into super speed and I'm going to save him. And he starts running and then it cuts to this kind of like over the shoulder shot of Superman tracking the flash. And you just see Barry Allen's eyes just wide and be like, Oh no. Yeah, Cause everyone at this point is frozen solid in this, in this bullet time. Yet here we see Superman's head slowly tilting at the flash <laughs> and tracking, looking straight at him the whole time he's running and him just being in awe. And then they have this kind of like fight scene where he's not getting connections on Barry, but Barry is definitely having to dodge in a way that he is not used to. Yeah. So there's definitely like this big, you see how strong Superman is all of a sudden in comparison to like the flash and how he's scared of him at that moment. And just like, he eventually like just knocks him off his feet. And so Barry just like falls, but like, you just have this moment of like, Oh my God. And it's like, it was such a cool moment. Cause just to, I think one of the things they do best in this film is show how powerful Superman is. Yeah. He can like, like he, I mean, he's crushing Batman's skull for a moment. He's like, yeah, guys, let's be real. Batman's not going to fi- uh, fi- really win a one-on-one fight against Superman. It's like a fair fight. It's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's like straight up not going to happen. And so it's just, it's really interesting. Like they do that. Cause then later once Superman comes back, he may, <sighs> they basically, they revive Superman to help them fight Steppenwolf. And then he kind of goes crazy. And then they have to use Lois Lane as like his connection to earth. And that like, and then he takes her and they fly off to Kent ranch. It's like, okay, whatever. And then 
they're like, I guess that didn't work. So they still have to go fight Steppenwolf without Superman there. So they go through like 60, 70% of the fight without Superman there. Then Superman shows up in like the dumbest line in the movie. What is it? What is I? <laughs> so Steppenwolf says this line to, th- I, th- I believe, Batman, where he's like, you will see the truth of fear. And Superman, like, like off camera goes, you know what? I like truth. And like makes Steppenwolf turn around and I like justice. And he punches him. <laughs> like, right. I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interject here, though. So when Superman comes back, not the Superman we know from Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman. Yeah. We're, this, this movie implies that Superman was the blue Boy Scout. He was the nice guy. He was the guy that came around, saved the day with a smile. And so when Henry Cavill is, is there, he shows up to the fight, he's acting like Christopher Reeve. He's acting like yeah. the Superman you know. He's like, hey, like here, let me lend you a hand and, sa- and save these people. It's like, uh, Steppenwolf, get out of the way! Like here, yeah. He, I think he literally backhands Steppenwolf at one point. Yeah, he backhands just, him. Yeah, just flies across the room. Steppenwolf, once Superman shows up in that last fight, literally has no power anymore. Zero. Yeah. He is zero threat anymore. Yeah. He's like, hey, cyborg, I see you're trying to do something with these mother boxes. You want me to help you? Do you want me to help you pull them apart? Yeah, Superman, that'd be great. No problem, buddy. It's like, hey, Flash, you seem like you're new at using your powers and saving people. Let me show you how it's done. Hey guys, like I see it takes three of you to fight one Steppenwolf. Allow me. <laughs> like yeah. it's like just super friendly. Like it's like one of those things. Like I was co- actually p- completely in awe of Henry Cavill's Superman. Like I was actually really surprised. I loved it. I I personally really loved it. But then it comes back to this issue where like I know in the prior movies he wasn't this way. Yeah, yeah like in the prior movies, like he looks like he's about to cry or like just angrily punch just everyone. So angsty. He just, looks yeah. so grumpy the whole time, like I'm so upset. I'm saving your life right now. Yeah. And like which comes like and I've said this to you guys earlier, where you know, with the whole Joss Whedon and Zack Snyder issue, like the problem here isn't that one of them made a Justice League film, is that Joss Whedon made a super friends film. And Zack Snyder made a Watchmen film. Yeah. And like, and so like, so you have these clashes of tone and view. And so you go, oh, things are getting kind of dark for some reason. Oh, and now things are happy. I think, and I think I should be happy too about that, right? Oh, like, oh I, I want to bring up this scene because like, I, I, to me, it's the most confounding scene of the movie. Uh, as, as you know, like I'm a big fan of Justice League and I've always waited for the Justice League live action film. I was definitely excited to see the, the live action grave digging scene. Involving two of the comedy relief characters. Yeah, when they have to <laughs> dig up Superman's body, yeah, they yeah. have Cyborg and Flash doing it, and they're just like and they're just about. making jokes. <laughs> like, like, hey, we're like the broken characters, are we? Yeah, <laughs> we're the mistakes, <laughs> and they're, they're doing it so painfully slow for one of them being the world's fastest man and one of them being part machine. <laughs> so well, he, like, they, <laughs> he even makes a joke about that. He's like, I, I could probably get this done really fast. I just, I just feel like it'd be disrespectful. Why? <laughs> this is so dumb. <laughs> Why would you even keep the grave robbing seat? I don't understand. Why not just cut to the yeah, right? Cut to the matter. I don't understand. Yeah. Well, and it's super funny because there's basically this scene they set up, they establish, and this was uh, in the kind of like scene breakdown that me and John saw of like what was weed and what was Snyder. And basically, the final battle takes place in this basically a looking abandoned looking city. And Joss Whedon basically forced, like, this family that lives in, like, a house near this city. And so there's a bunch of scenes of this family, like, boarding up their house that, like, this is never, the entire film. never has any established, 
like reference to them actually being there because they're obviously reshoots that were done afterwards. And it's just so funny. I'm like, they'll cut to it every once in a while. These people boarding up their house. That's it. Then it just cuts back. And you're like, there's just boarding up their yeah, house for like why days. can't why can't the bad guys just like be, beat down the, the walls yeah. or ceiling? Just take them. Like this is the, the entire film. We're just watching this Russian family <laughs> cowering yeah, in fear. It's and super like, weird. Like, and then like at the end, like if this is one of the things that Flash gets to do. He like they get in their car and they're trying to drive away and their car breaks down, of course. And so Flash pushes their car <laughs> out of the way. And like this is another fun, stupid scene. So this is when Superman has showed up. Uh him and uh Flash decide to go like save the civilians. And basically Flash is like, oh, I'll push this car. And so he's pushing this car and uh Superman's like, I'll save the people in this building. And you see uh, like Flash running, pushing this car, and then Superman. <laughs> He like looks over, and Superman has a whole like, like you know, apartment complex. Yeah, a whole apartment complex on one hand, flying through the air, <laughs> and it's he's just, like waving at him. Yeah, he's like, he's like, what? <laughs> and he's just holding it with one hand, or it's just like, are you serious? We're just like throwing logic and physics out the window at this point. Like, well, this like what, for like this. Is this is the joke. Super Friends movie. Like, <laughs> like, like, it's so crazy. I mean, that's classic Superman. No, it's quite, like I liked it. Like, like, like I, I'm not gonna lie. I thought it was really fun. Oh, too. It was so but like, stupid. as a whole, when you think about like what I just as, watched, as, it. As, like from yeah, establishing what they've established. Like, you've set this up this way, and then when you do stuff like that, it's like that's so dumb. Like, I get that that's Superman. I get it, but that's not what they've set up. They haven't set this up to work this way. Like, yeah. it's so ridiculous. Yeah, just it's, it's such a hard movie. Just a hard movie to talk about because, like, it's just moments. It's just moments. Yeah, it's a bunch about. of moments, and so it's like they have these weird things. Classic where... Snyder. I mean, it sounds like they're like trying to suggest that the whole like random modern day scenes in Wonder Woman, where he's like. I sent this to you hoping you would tell me your story was like him be like, I've got a plan and I want you to be the leader of it. Yeah. But it's like, eh, come on, guys. There's just so many parts where you can see it's them trying to cut corners to make it make sense because it doesn't make sense. So what you're telling me is that if our listeners at home want to have a good uh, beginning Justice League, like the formula of the Justice League uh, story that they should go watch Holy Musical Batman. I, I recommend <laughs> Holy Musical Batman. I recommend Justice League War. I recommend Justice League, the animated pilot for yeah. the show, like the, the old cartoon or Cartoon Network. That had a better way to unite the league. Yeah. Which is like... And actually so with, added like the other people in the league, like Green Lantern and Martian Manhunter. Yeah, and like that movie, that, that pilot movie is so great because literally the world is at war. Aliens are attacking. Everyone's fighting on their own turf. And it is slowly, they're all like focusing on where the home base is. And they meet. And then, like, all of a sudden, like, Wonder Woman shows up. And they go, who are you? I'm uh, Amazon from Themyscira. And, you know, they just go, cool. I'm too busy fighting aliens to compre- comprehend this. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to keep going. Help me if you want. <laughs> like, like, that's well, and that's so what's great. great about, yeah, like, Justice League War, you have, like, this moment where, like, Green Lantern goes to try to fight Darkseid and just gets the crap kicked out of him. <laughs> and then it's just like, oh, Oh, okay, that was that didn't work, and then it's just like him realizing that Batman's just a guy, and not like he's yeah. like, wait, you're just a dude. <laughs> like yeah. they have like these really funny moments and like actual funny moments that fit their characters. Yeah, in these moments of like, oh, you're just a guy. He's like, yeah, I'm just rich. It's like, oh, okay, and then like you just establish like Superman just comes in to kick the shit out of people. Like you st- establish what's going on and like the importance of everyone and where their place is so quick. 
with no other reference movies that this one actually has to pull from so much because it doesn't make sense. <laughs> Rowan, I know Only see it if it's cheap. I'm so excited for this movie. Only see it if it's cheap. Yes. I, I, you know, as I said, they should have started with the Justice League and then done all the movies after that. Coulda, woulda, shoulda's. Yep. Coulda, woulda, shoulda's. Right. And it feels like, it sounds like that's kind of what they wish they had done. Like, it sounds like there's like a complete reboot of Superman in this movie. And Basically. just like. Yeah, yeah straight up. <laughs> straight like, up, just complete reboot of Superman this film. And just the fact so that Flashpoint's right? coming, yeah, right. that's like, they're going to reboot. Well, oh, uh, Ben Affleck has a, has a way out now with Jake Gyllenhaal coming uh Coming uh, in. Yeah, to be Robin. Yeah, no, yeah, essentially Robin taking right. over as Batman. It's like, huh? <laughs> yeah. Poor Ben. Poor Ben. That's that's our thoughts on it. Yep. Just about as much as you'd expect. If you want to watch it, go ahead. I don't recommend it, but go ahead. <laughs> well, thank you all for joining us again for yep. another episode of JR bashes DC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll be back next week for probably more. some more DC news yeah. right here. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Um, and just a final note: if you could go to all of our different pages, give us likes, comments, subscribes. Um, if you have things you like about the show, things you don't like, if you comment there, if you have questions or topics you want us to talk about, post them there, and then we will talk about them. Um, we'd like to hear from you guys. Um, and until then, we will be back next week. Thanks, folks. Night, guys.